What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast, Behind the Line. My name is Luke Wilson. I'm your host. I'm a student here at Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona, majoring in sports management. And today, I'll be talking to you about some updates around the NBA. The first update that I want to jump right into today is obviously the huge news that James Harden is now a Brooklyn Net. And I want to break that down just a little more for what things are going to look like for the Brooklyn Nets as well as the rest of the teams affected in this trade. So first, I want to break things down looking at the Brooklyn Nets. This team right now is looking absolutely scary. And the reason I say this is because I believe the Brooklyn Nets just acquired the other best offensive player in the NBA. Besides Kevin Durant, James Harden is the best offensive player in the NBA. Or you could say it's vice versa. Either way, those two are the two best players in the NBA on the offensive end of the floor. And now you add Kyrie Irving, one of the best playmakers, if not the best ball handling playmaker in the NBA, with two of the best pure scorers in the NBA. That squad looks unstoppable on the offensive end. But the real question I have to ask now for the Brooklyn Nets is are they going to be able to lock in defensively and get stops on teams with big guys such as Anthony Davis and Giannis Antetokounmpo down the stretch? The thing is, the firepower that Brooklyn now has on the offensive end of the floor seems like it's good enough to propel them to beat any team in the league. But they only beat Milwaukee by two points the other night, and their other game they have had with James Harden on their team, they also won by less than five. So looking at this Brooklyn Nets squad, you have to say, I don't think they're unbeatable, but they're definitely going to be tough for any team to match up against in the rest of the NBA. The next part of this that I want to address is Kyrie Irving. And the real question behind Kyrie Irving is, he going to play for this team this year? Because right now, I'm not really sure what's going on. He's sitting out for personal issues, but it's clear that he hasn't wanted to play basketball and that he just doesn't want to play basketball. And until James Harden got acquired by this team, he's pretty much sat out. And now he's saying that he's finally ready. Now, for this guy's character, that's not necessarily the best thing to go around, saying that he doesn't feel like this team is good enough and that he doesn't want to play in Brooklyn and that he doesn't want to just be a part of the team right now because even though he hasn't physically said that yet, that's how he's acting off the court, by just sitting these games out for no reason. And it's been an issue everywhere he's gone after Cleveland. You look at the same thing with Boston. is He just sat out for personal reasons, and he kind of did the same thing last year as well. And that's not really a guy you want on your team, especially if you're trying to make a finals push like this. Kevin Durant right now is averaging 30.6 points a game. Harden's averaging 26, and Kyrie's over that 25 limit. Those three guys right there are all averaging over 25 a game, and you're saying that one of them just wants to sit out because he doesn't feel like playing. Now, Kyrie needs to figure his stuff out if this team wants to make a run at all in the playoffs. James and Durant, they're going to be able to get the job done for this team, but I think they need one more piece. And Kyrie Irving definitely is going to be that piece with Didwitty out and the loss of Lavert and the loss of Jared Allen. Now, this team still has a little bit of depth, which is good. Nicholas Claxton, he's a great player. He had a lot of great flashes last year, getting some backup minutes as that center. Obviously, they just lost Jared Allen. He's now in Cleveland. So... Nicholas Claxton's going to be able to get some minutes for this squad. Joe Harris, he's going to be able to continue to play well. With the loss of Didwitty, some of these other guys like Timothy Lawalu Cabarro, Tyler Johnson, they're going to be stepping into some playmaking roles. You have to remember that the Brooklyn Nets still have Jeff Green, who's one of the best bench players in the NBA. So it's not like they're lacking anything. They have the three of the five most offensive firepowered players in the NBA on their team now. The real question is defense, but we'll see how that goes. I think they have a good enough offense where they can just out-propel everybody because you look at the techniques that have been pulled on James Harden over the years. The box and one, also the lockdown face shield. They also have the double team, classic double team, past half court on James Harden. 
or the full court double team. And that's been methods that have been able to get the ball out of Harden's hands or make him produce less. But now that you have another offensive weapon like Kevin Durant and or Kyrie Irving on this team, you're not able to guard James Harden like that anymore. You have to play iso ball with him, and he's one of the best offensive players in the NBA, as well as Kevin Durant, who's shooting 53% from the field this year, who also is one of the best offensive players in the NBA on the isolation piece of things. Now, that's just game over for most teams just because of how strong those two players are on the offensive end. Kyrie Irving, also one of the best isolation players just because of his ball handling, his speed, and his finishing ability. That sets him apart as an elite playmaker in the NBA, and he will continue to be elite now that he is two of the best offensive players in the NBA on his team. So Brooklyn... No doubt that they're going to be making the NBA Finals now after picking up James Harden. I already pretty much had them in the Eastern Conference Finals or the NBA Finals before that addition. But now that you throw one of the best playmakers in the NBA on that team, there's no reason that the Brooklyn Nets will not be in the NBA Finals this year. So I'm anxious to see where things go for this squad and see how they're able to put these pieces together before the playoffs begin. The next team that I want to touch on today is the Indiana Pacers and how they've been affected from this trade. So how this trade worked was James Harden got sent to the Brooklyn Nets and Indiana sent Victor Oladipo to Houston and received Karis LeVert and then Jared Allen went to Cleveland. And those are like the main pieces incorporated into this trade. Those are like the players that actually play a lot. So those are the ones that I'm going to touch on. But Karis LeVert, actually, they found a tumor on his left kidney. So he's out indefinitely right now. They don't have a timetable return for him. So I'm not really sure how that's going to play into effect for the Pacers because they basically just got nothing out of this trade. And on the future aspect of things, this is good for them because next year they're going to be super solid when they get LeVert back. But right now they just lost Victor Aldebo for basically nothing for the rest of the year. And LeVert wasn't even able to play a game for them yet. So I'm not sure how he's going to be able to fit into that team. But hopefully his role, he's able to keep up his productivity rates that he had with the Brooklyn Nets. And I hope that the Pacers can continue to do well. They're looking at an 8-5 and five record right now, the four seed in the Eastern Conference. And obviously, something I haven't touched on yet is COVID. It's had a huge effect on the NBA so far. Obviously, Boston wasn't able to play some games this week. New Orleans wasn't able to. Washington right now has seven positive staff members and players for COVID. I believe Orlando wasn't able to play. Uh, Phoenix, Utah, I mean Memphis, there's a bunch of teams. New Orleans, there's a lot of teams that haven't been able to play because of the COVID protocols. So it's definitely interesting to see how this is playing into effect with the league and what's going to happen. I saw something today that Adam Silver came out with that they might give vaccines optionally to players just to show that, you know, COVID's something that they can get over and that this is a hump that is just a hump in the road and it's not going to be a permanent stop that the NBA is going to get through it. So hopefully that's something like that happens and I don't want to see the league go back to the bubble. I hope we can get fans back in stadiums soon, but you never know what's going on. So we're going to have to play things by ear and see how things really end up. But right now looking at things, Brooklyn's nine and six, Indiana's eight and five, Milwaukee's nine and five, Philadelphia's 9-5, and five, and Boston is 8-4 and four right now in the Eastern Conference. Those are the five powerhouses of teams. The thing that blows my mind, actually, about every other team in the Eastern Conference besides those five teams that I just listed off is every single team besides those five teams, Brooklyn, Indiana, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Boston, every other team has a losing record in the East. And that shows how balanced the Eastern Conference is right now because the 12th seed is three games behind the one seed right now. 14 games into the season. 
So that's not really a lot of room. Normally right now you would see multiple teams with close to 10 losses. The only team with 10 losses in the whole NBA right now is the Detroit Pistons. Minnesota's at nine losses. But other than that, Miami's five and seven and Milwaukee's nine and five. And that's something that really stands out to me because it just shows that anyone can be anyone right now in the Eastern Conference. And it has to go with the same thing in the Western Conference too. I'll jump right into that in just a minute. But just touching on the Eastern Conference, you look at some of these teams. Miami's five and seven right now. Toronto's five and eight. Charlotte's six and eight. Orlando's six and eight. Chicago's six and eight. Cleveland's six and seven. Atlanta's six and seven. New York's seven and eight. Atlanta, Cleveland, and New York. They're actually good basketball teams. So are Miami and Toronto, and Miami and Toronto are the 12 and 13 seeds in the Eastern Conference right now. Washington still can't win with Westbrook on their team. They're three and eight, and two of those wins have came with Westbrook out. So the real question is, can Russell Westbrook literally lead a team right now? Because Bradley Beal is averaging 35 points a game, and they're still losing. And the problem with this is the Wizards are the worst defensive team in the NBA, and they have no urgency on the defensive end, but offensively, they're a firepower, and nobody can stop them. They're the best offensive team in the NBA and the worst defensive team in the NBA. And it shows that defense wins games because if offense could win games, then the Wizards would be a legit team in the Eastern Conference right now. So hopefully the Indiana Pacers, they're able to keep their pace up. They're able to keep winning because like I just showed you, the Eastern Conference right now is so tight and so loaded early on that all these games right now really matter. Same thing for the Brooklyn Nets. They better start winning basketball games because if they don't, they're going to be stuck in the middle of the pack the rest of the season. Another team that I want to talk about today is the Portland Trailblazers. They have taken a huge hit this past week with injuries. The loss of Yusuf Nurkic for up to six weeks and the loss of CJ McCollum also for up to six weeks. Now, this is not good. I'm a diehard Portland fan myself. You would know that if you've listened to any of my previous podcasts. I love talking about the Trailblazers. I love what's going on with that organization and how Damian Lillard has led them from the ground. But it's so hard for me to talk about this today because obviously CJ McCollum's been amazing for us so far, averaging 26 points a game. Lillard's up to that 28 point per game mark, so he's now our leading scorer on a night-to-night basis. But CJ McCollum, he's been the offensive firepower for us to start the season off. He's been playing so well, and to see him get hurt and not be able to play for a couple weeks is so hard for me to say. And then Yusuf Nurkic also got hurt this past week, and now he's not able to play. So our second and third best players are now out for a good month, month and a half, two months. So I'm not really sure what to expect from Portland. I hope Damian Lillard can propel us and we keep winning basketball games. Obviously, the same goes with Golden State. Klay Thompson hasn't been playing, so Steph Curry's been having to carry the load for them offensively. Kelly Oubre had that huge shooting slump to start the season off. Absolutely atrocious. Andrew Wiggins just been inconsistent. So Portland and Golden State are now kind of in the same boat, and it's going to be the real test for Damian Lillard to see if he can carry a franchise like Steph Curry can right now because Portland and Golden State are both sitting at those six and seven seeds in the Western Conference. Now you look at the two top teams in the Western Conference, by no surprise, it's the LA Lakers and the LA Clippers. Both of them have been playing so well on a night-to-night basis. Utah's not too far behind them, looking at 9-4 and four in the third spot. And then after that, things get pretty balanced. Just like I said with the Eastern Conference, the West 4-13 through 13 are all through a four-game span. And that's something that really stands out to me because, like I said, 14 games in the season, you don't normally see it that deep. And 
you would normally see the 11, 12, and 13 about six or seven games behind because someone's got to beat someone. But it looks like everyone's beating everyone right now. Dallas has a losing record. Denver has a losing record. Houston, Sacramento, New Orleans all have losing records. And that's the thing that stands out to me. This Memphis squad, without John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., they're still looking at a winning record of 7-6. This OKC team that has nobody on it, they're looking at 6-6 six six right now in the nine seed in the Western Conference. Meanwhile, San Antonio, 8-6. They're surprising a lot of people right now, playing very well. DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge, Jakob Podol, Derek White hasn't even been playing, and this team is getting the job done. And that's something that I like to see from San Antonio because obviously they're not a team that a lot of people like to talk about. San Antonio is in a huge market. Obviously, DeMar DeRozan, since he left Toronto, he hasn't been talked about a ton. But this team is winning basketball games, and it's time that they get the respect they deserve and be brought up. And right now, they're sitting at the 5 seed in the West. And Memphis, this 8 seed, I mean, things are looking really good. Phoenix, they're looking at that 4 seed by no surprise, 7 and 5. Hopefully, they can continue to win basketball games. Chris Paul's been a great veteran addition for this squad. And I hope the best for the Phoenix Suns in the near future. The next thing I want to talk about today is the LA Clippers and how they've been able to piece things together since that 50-point loss to the Dallas Mavericks. Since the Clippers lost to the Mavericks, they've definitely been able to turn things around. They looked really good to start the season off those first two games, and it was one of those things that I was questioning after that 50-point loss is, do they really have the grit to make a deep run in the playoffs next year? Well, looking at some of the previous games that they've had, they beat the Pacers by 33 points the other night. They also beat Sacramento by 38 points. They beat New Orleans. They beat Chicago. And then they also beat Golden State. They've won five of the last six games that they've played. So it looks like they're able to finally be piecing things together. Kawhi Leonard, he's been playing great for them, as always. Paul George, but that third star really needs to step up for them, I think. I haven't really seen that, you know, Nicholas Batum, he's been a great addition for them, and I think that he's definitely taken a lot of pressure off this team on the defensive end. It's nice to see Terrence Mann finally fit into that rotation for them. The beginning of the season, he wasn't getting a ton of minutes, but the other night against Sacramento, he was able to put up 13, 9, and 5, and I think those are great stats for his second-year player. He had 5 of 8 shooting. Luke Kennard, Shot 75% from the field the other night. Sank both his threes from downtown. He also added six assists and five rebounds to go with the 14 points that he put up. Now, this is the kind of things that I'm talking about that the LA Clippers need on a night-to-night basis. Marcus Morris Sr., he also shot seven for 12 from the field, had 18 points. The Clippers need to shoot well like this off the bench every single night if they want momentum going into the playoffs. No one's going to find them a threat if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are the only players contributing to this team. I want to see more from Serge Ibaka as his minutes are being reduced. He's not been playing super well. He only took four shots in 18 minutes the other night, and I need to see more contributions from him on the offensive side of the floor. He needs to have that urgency to get shots up and not only be a rim protector for this team they need a third addition on this team that's really going to make them a threat and make teams not want to play them anymore but right now I'm liking what I'm seeing from the LA Clippers I'm excited to see where things go for them throughout the rest of the season and if they can really handle how they're playing right now someone else that I want to talk about today is the Los Angeles Lakers I'm seeing great things from them and the craziest part about all of this is LeBron James and Anthony Davis both their numbers are down from last season and I think that's huge to note especially the fact that they're the best team in the NBA right now and their two best players are underperforming compared to how they usually play. I think this is huge, especially come playoff time. This is building a lot of confidence in young players like Talon Horton Tucker, 
Dennis Schroeder, he's been great for them so far. The addition of Montrez Harrell, he's been great as well. I think these guys, they definitely got their glue together. And I think that's important, especially in a shorter season and in the goal of winning another ring. Another thing that I want to touch on today, the Golden State Warriors and what things are going to be looking like for them the rest of the season. So right now we're seeing an amazing season from Steph Curry thus far, 28.2 points per game. He's definitely carrying this squad. But one thing that I want to note about Steph Curry is he's not going to be able to score the ball come playoff time how he is right now. He does have other options on his team in Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, but both those guys have not shown that they're reliable options at the end of a game. Steph Curry is the creator for that team. Obviously, the addition of Draymond Green coming back has been huge for this Golden State Warriors squad, but Steph Curry, he's going to be locked up come playoff time. The thing is, people are going to face guard him, they're going to double him, and you've already started to see that a little bit in the regular season here, with him being double teamed to get the ball out of his hands. Now, the similar problem that I had touched on earlier with Portland and Damian Lillard, that's something that happened to him. And with CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic out now, he's going to be starting to receive that a lot as well. And it's going to become a huge factor on whose team can play better because those two guys are not going to be able to carry their squad very much. You've seen both those guys have crazy outbursts of point scoring and assisting in their careers. Damian Lillard obviously had a six-game stretch last year where he averaged over 50 points a game. That's absolutely insane. But the thing that I have to note about this is he's not going to be able to do that all the time, and neither will Steph Curry. Curry has better playmakers on his team, I think, with CJ McCollum being out and Nurkic out. I think Curry has a better squad around him. I don't know, actually. Portland's pretty deep. Like, Rodney Hood's good, Gary Trent, but Golden State also has some guys in Oubre and Wiggins that are better than most of the guys that are on Portland right now outside of McCollum, Nurkic, and Dame. But the thing that I think is huge talking about both these players and how they're going to be defended differently is what this means for the rest of their team. There needs to be more success on the offensive end picked up by these guys because obviously they're not going to be able to carry the squad if they're being double teamed. They're not going to come down and shoot a double team contested fadeaway three. Even right now, just single isolation guarding, that is a tough shot. And I think that Outside of Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and Harden, I don't think there's a lot of guys in the NBA that should be shooting that shot. Maybe throw Trey Young into that list and Bradley Beal, but Kevin Durant, Levine, other than that, I don't really think a lot of guys should be coming down and jacking that shot up. But they're going to have to take tough shots now. They're not going to have easy nights. No matter who they're playing, they're going to be getting defenses thrown at them that they're not used to playing against. And I think that's huge touching on both these teams. Golden State and Portland. I'm going to need to see more from other guys on this team if they want to have any success in this shorter NBA season and make a playoff push at all. Another team that I want to touch on today is the Milwaukee Bucks and what changes they need to make come playoff time. Drew Holiday's been a great addition of them, averaging 15.7 points a game, 4.2 rebounds per game, and 5.1 assists per game. Obviously, he's a huge threat on the defensive end of the floor, averaging over two steals a game, and he's very efficient. His assist-to-turnover ratio is 3.7, which, if you're over two, I would say that's a pretty good spot to be in the NBA. You want to have only two or three turnovers at max in a game to at least be playing decent. But Drew Holiday does a great job of taking care of the ball, and I think that's huge when you have an all-star player like Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is not a huge ball handler. He definitely brings the ball up and handles it, but he's not a playmaker off the ball, and I think that's 
huge for Milwaukee to bring someone in that can score off the dribble because you don't see that with Giannis. He can, but a lot of the times he faces up and he gets a lot of easy baskets around the rim. You saw how he was defended against the Brooklyn Nets two nights ago. The Brooklyn Nets left him wide open from three-point line, and that definitely does something for a player's confidence. To see that teams don't respect you as a shooter and a playmaker, that definitely throws a mental note in your head that, am I really a good enough player to be out here on the court right now? And Giannis has been the MVP the last two seasons of the NBA, but he's still flawed. I personally don't think that he's hit a ceiling yet. He needs to get a lot better. He could be so much better than what he is right now. He could be a way better ball handler. He could be a way better shooter. It just doesn't look natural yet for him. And I think that's a problem. I think he almost has too much muscle where it's at the point where he can't get a shooter's touch and he can't get a release. He's been a great player for this Milwaukee franchise over the years, but I don't see them bringing a ring home. Even with the addition of Drew Holiday, another closer for them, Bobby Portis, he's been great. Dante DiVincenzo, he's stepped up great for them. Bryn Forbes, he's been playing well. And Brooke Lopez, he's been playing decent as well. But the thing is, I don't see Milwaukee being a huge threat to anyone in the Eastern Conference because Giannis cannot go out and drop 30 points on a team in the playoffs. He can't do that. He's going to be guarded differently. Teams are going to be able to figure Giannis out. And what I'm saying by this is you look at Damian Lillard and Steph Curry and how they were defended in past matchups. But now you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo and how he could potentially be defended. Look at how the Miami Heat played defense on him. They played a box four and a one-man isolation face guard against him. Or they had Bam Adebayo just lock him up. Or they gave him a double team and made other people score the ball. And that's something that Giannis is going to have to get familiar with because he's going to be treated like that until he can prove that he has an offensive ability. You look at Ben Simmons, he gets the same treatment. So many people sag off him because he's so good at getting to the rim. He's elite in every other aspect besides scoring and shooting the basketball. Ben Simmons is a good player. He's definitely overhyped. He's not as good as everyone says he is, but he can contribute on every other aspect of the floor except scoring. You can't rely on him to score the ball, but he'll get points, he'll get assists every single night. But at the end of the day, a bucket's the most important. And Giannis averages 27 points a game right now and 10.2 rebounds per game, but he also averages 3.5 turnovers a game. And that's something that shows that he's not a super strong ball handler. He's got a great shooting percentage because he scores most of his points in the paint but first his career he's 28.6 percent from three-point line which shows that he's not a confident shooter back there it shows that he's not a scorer from behind the arc and it shows that Giannis is not there yet offensively he needs to develop a three-point shot and I know I just brought Ben Simmons into this and it might be confusing Ben Simmons also needs to develop a three-point shot you can't have these two physically dominant players become two of the better players in the league if they don't even have an offensive game. And at the end of the day, it comes down to who can get a bucket. And right now, Ben Simmons can't do that, and neither can Giannis. And that's why I believe that Milwaukee and I believe that Philadelphia will not be able to make any noise in the Eastern Conference until they have someone to get a bucket. Because you look at the Brooklyn Nets, they have three players that I would trust at the end of a game to score the ball for them in any clutch situation. Kyrie, KD, Harden, I would take them in almost any isolation situation to close a game. With Giannis having the ball or Ben Simmons to score a basket to win the game, I don't trust those guys. Middleton, I don't think he's proven himself enough to be that playmaker. Tobias Harris, he's not consistent enough for this team. He's not 20 a night. He'll give you 25, he'll give you 12, he'll give you 6, he'll give you 4, he'll give you 18, he'll give you 13. That's the kind of numbers I'm seeing from Tobias Harris. And until he can come down and be a playmaker, I don't see this Philadelphia team going anywhere. It's the same thing with Milwaukee. Middleton, like I just touched on, he can't do it either. He's not consistent, although this season he's been much better. I don't see him being a clutch bucket at the end of a game in a situation like that every single night. 
But I look at that with Brooklyn Nets, and that's why I think they're a contending team. Harden, Kyrie, Durant, those guys will close games for you. But right now, Milwaukee doesn't have that, and neither does Philadelphia because their best player or their second best player does not have an offensive ability that can get them a basket at the end of a game in a clutch situation. The last topic that I want to talk about today is what is the future looking like in Cleveland right now? So currently, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton have been out with injuries, and Jetty Osmond has been playing amazing for them right now. He's been carrying the load offensively, and we've been seeing great numbers from him. And I'm wondering if he's going to be able to keep these production rates up. Just how successful he's been so far. He's been shooting the basketball great. He's posted double digits in all six of his starts so far for the Cleveland Cavaliers this season, but last game he took a season-high 20 shots, and I think that's huge for him just because, I mean, he's putting up shots, and he's showing that he should be an option on this team. He scored 14, 17, and 25 in his last three games. He's also posted 40, 38, and 34 minutes in all three of those games, and just looking at Chetty Osmond, he's a great player. I saw great flashes of him a few years ago before they got this young backcourt. I said Chetty Osmond's the future of this team, but the problem is he's not been a consistent option for them. The thing about his numbers right now is he's not even shooting the basketball well. He's shooting 33% from deep and 37% from the field. He's just in a shooting slump, and right now he's getting his confidence back by being able to play a lot of minutes and put up numbers. And I think the thing that stands out to me is... He's a great basketball player, and he's a young player, just like the rest of these guys, and I think that he has a lot of potential. They just need to give him more minutes. The thing is, they need to decide what the future is in Cleveland for these guys. They have Isaac Okoro as well. I think he will be a great role player for this team. He's already playing well his rookie year, but the real question is, they just acquired Jarrett Allen in this hardened trade with the Nets. The four teams that were involved all got a piece of the trade and the Cleveland Cavaliers actually got Jared Allen and the thing that's shocking to me is right now Cleveland's loaded with big men they have JaVale McGee they have Andre Drummond who's the league leader in rebounds right now they also have Larry Nance Jr. and Kevin Love and so you look at those five big guys that I just listed off right there and all five of those guys could potentially start or be a really good backup on most teams in the NBA and so the real question is with Detroit is what are they going to do with Andre Drummond and what are they going to do with Chetty Osmond and Isaac Okoro? Obviously, I don't see them giving up Isaac Okoro because he's so young, but Chetty Osmond's still super young too, and he's got a lot of bright spots for this team. He provides a lot on the offensive end of the floor for them. So the question arises, what is the future in Cleveland? I don't know if they're going to ship off Andre Drummond or not. I don't know why you would get rid of him. He's one of the most dominant big men in the NBA, especially on the offensive glass. He's a machine. He put up 33 and 23 a couple nights ago. And it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't see what team in the NBA wouldn't want him. And I think nobody really wanted him last free agency because he wasn't acquired by any team. He was traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers from the Detroit Pistons, where his career was starting to fall off a little bit in Detroit, just because Detroit doesn't get much recognition. They're not a good franchise. I don't really see people going to Detroit and having bright spots. And I think part of the reason Christian Wood left was because he noticed he wasn't going to get the recognition he needed in Detroit. But right now, I could say the opposite. Jeremy Grant, he's getting recognition. He's averaging 25 points a game for the Pistons, playing great. But I'm not sure, looking back at Cleveland, what is going to happen. I don't know if they're going to keep Drummond. I think the reason Detroit got rid of Drummond was just because his huge contract and they noticed they weren't getting anywhere. So I hope Cleveland can figure things out pretty fast here. Just because 
Obviously, they have five big guys now on this team. They're not going to be able to give minutes to all those guys. Drummond, he's one of the most productive big men in the NBA. He's a stat filler. JaVale McGee, he's so versatile and athletic for how big he is. He's one of those guys that deserves to be on the court, especially on the defensive end. And so it's one of those questions now. Kevin Love getting old. Are you going to keep him or are you going to get rid of him? Larry Nancy's been playing very well for this team. I don't know what they're going to do. And now they just acquired Jared Allen, another one of the best shot blockers in the NBA. They have rim protectors. They just need perimeter defense from their guards. And I don't see Cleveland being a huge powerhouse defensively. But now that they acquired Jared Allen, I can see them being better. But the real question is, how are they going to give them minutes? They're so deep with their big men already. So I'm curious to see if they're going to ship off Andre Drummond or not and get another piece for this team. He's playing well for them, and Cleveland's not a bad team. They have a decent record. They're 6-7, and seven, but like I said, only five teams in the Eastern Conference have a winning record thus far. It'll be interesting to see how things play out for sure and where Drummond's future is, especially Kevin Love as well. This young Cleveland core, if they're going to be the future of this team or they're going to keep these veteran guys around as well. Hopefully Cleveland can figure things out because they'd love to see them make a playoff push. Right now they're looking very good. Darius Garland and Colin Sexton have been playing so well for this team and I'm hoping the best for Cleveland. But other than that, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of my podcast and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week.